Hello and welcome. My name is Christopher Chandler. And my name is Chris Shower. And, and we, we are, are Generally, generally American. American. In our podcast, we discuss events, culture, whatever else we want from a generally American perspective. From our differing viewpoints, our goal is that we can offer others and ourselves nuanced opinions on fascinating topics related to the U.S. We invite you to be part of the discussion, and we hope that you'll stick around to see where the conversation takes us. So let's dive in. And we're live. <laughs> we are live and recording. Hello. Yeah. Hello. So, how you been? I'm good. I'm good. It's uh, it's been a long couple weeks, but always always glad to be back. How's the weather? <laughs> beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Finally, it's been like proper spring weather for the last couple weeks. We had a nice. A uh, little rainstorm yesterday kept like the patio door open, get some of that fresh rain air in the house. Oh, that's uh, awesome. We we get like almost no, we do not have very many rainy days here. So what when it usually rains, it usually is like fast and hard, and then it stops. But we actually had like a sustained rain yesterday, which is really rare for us. So it was nice. Well, you know what they say, like April showers. You know, bring May flowers. Uh, yeah, it's more May showers here. <laughs> that's, that's usually how it is. April is usually kind of like coin flip half winter. Yeah, you were getting a bit of snow there, like pretty late into uh, like pretty pretty uh, into spring. So that was kind of kind of weird. Yeah, the weather here is pretty nice actually. Um, it's been super hot, but I'm very sensitive, so. <laughs> Uh, it's been like uh, 18 degrees Celsius, which, uh, what's that in Fahrenheit? Probably like somewhere up in like the uh, 60s, 70s, which is Yeah, that hot. sounds right. Yeah, which is hot for me because I'm pretty sensitive. But it definitely feels like it's spring, even though it has been raining here. And my allergies have been acting up, so my nose is a bit stuffy. But I'll live. <laughs> My outdoor allergies are fine, but honestly, uh, I spent a lot of time with our cats last night, and I think the the whiplash has hit me like a freight train today. So, if uh, if anyone's catching any sniffles or my voice doesn't sound the best, that's probably why. Are, so, are you allergic to the to the hair or to like the skin? So, pretty much. I mean, not the skin. Like hairless cats are fine. Uh, our cats are all Russian blues, which are hypoallergenic, but it's still not uh, perfect. But I have like a really big scratch on my arm that got underneath the skin. Uh, cat uh, bites and cat scratches doesn't matter what kind of cat it is. Absolutely horrible for me. So I didn't know you could be allergic to that. So I know that. Um, so there's you have hair, you have fur, and you have skin. And some people are allergic to the hair. Some people are allergic to the fur. And some people are allergic to the skin. And I know some people like to have, like, hairless cats, which, p personally speaking, I don't find them to be very, I don't know, pretty. Um, <laughs> but I've had friends who have hairless cats. Uh, so there's that. that well, that's got to feel weird. Like, did you did you pet them? Like, what does petting a hairless cat feel I like? It's so, I don't know. It's like a, like a mole rat, <laughs> basically. Um, it's not a pleasant feeling, and some people will, will like actually knit clothes for their cats because they have no fur. Because you know they'll get really cold in winter, 
Uh, oh yeah, we we have a we have a like an eighteen year old Chihuahua, skinny Chihuahua in our house. Um, he's enclosed a lot of the time. Uh, yeah, he so. he should not be anywhere near this climate, but here he is. <laughs> but so we're not going to talk about cats <laughs> and allergies <laughs> this whole episode. Uh, just a quick side note. So I have set up uh, a Twitter and an Instagram for our podcast. Um, I'm still in the, or we're still in the process of setting it all up and uh, posting stuff on there. But the Twitter and the Instagram will be on, or sorry, will be in the description of this episode. So if you're interested in checking out the Twitter or the uh, Instagram, uh, please feel free to do so. Like I said, it'll be in the description. Um, but enough of that. So today we want to talk about houses or, you know, where you live basically. <laughs> yeah. And everything that comes with it. Uh, so I, uh, I think I've said this before, but I currently live in a house that I do not own. Um, I, uh, I basically rent part of the basement from, uh, some of my, uh, very close friends who are married and live here. And I have uh, kind of been off and on on the hunt for a house. My goal was to purchase this year. We will see what happens. I, yeah, so uh, I do not live in house. <laughs> I live in an apartment. Um, I think in most, well, I don't want to speak for most people in Europe, but especially in Germany, I think it's more common to live in an apartment as opposed to a house. Um, one, they're just super expensive, and two, they're really hard to find. To find a house, not find an apartment, uh, unless you go to places like uh, Berlin or Munich or Dusseldorf, where finding an apartment is just as difficult, um, if not more so, than finding a house. So. Oh wow, that's I. Well, I guess depending on the area, I could believe it. I mean, it's just a. It's a limited resource. Def so a lot of people, I mean, obviously the U.S. Is, is a very big country, but I think the U.S. is about half the size of Texas. Or Germany. <laughs> or Germany, sorry. Germany is about half the size of Texas. So um, if you put that into perspective, um, uh, houses and like housing in general is at a, is at a premium here. So uh, finding a house is very difficult uh, that you can afford i mean you can find houses but i mean they're, they're difficult to afford for most people i would say well and that's i mean uh <laughs> might be uh preaching to the choir but that's how it's really <laughs> felt here especially since uh especially since covid a lot of people sold their homes and moved to quote-unquote lower cost of living areas like you know montana mm. wyoming places like that so our housing like exploded in cost. Uh, luckily, Billings is considered like the least trendy place in Montana. So while <laughs> our prices did go up a lot, um, it didn't like go up like five times or more. Like uh, at least the price of like buying a house in some mm -hmm. places did. I I know that a lot of people uh, moved from Los Angeles, so from California to Texas. If I remember that correctly, because uh, the housing prices in California exploded. So there's a max exodus of people from 
uh, I think like Los Angeles and whatnot too, like Dallas and well, Houston. It's, it's always been bad. Like the most expensive place to live in the country is the San Francisco area. Oh uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um. So, and the cost of living in Texas is pretty low considering you can live in like a big metropolitan area. Yeah. You, you actually have your choice of a good handful of them. And I think it's the same in, to a lesser extent, it's the same in Florida. You can live relatively low cost of living out there. Yeah, isn't Florida? I guess is like the the American capital for retirees. <laughs> yeah, that in Arizona. Yeah, Arizona too. Okay, I didn't know about Arizona. I just had that uh, Florida in mind, but uh, gotta why get away from the cold. Oh, okay, that's true. Yeah, because Arizona's pretty much just desert. Yeah, and you know, people forget forget this. In Phoenix, I think is either the fourth or fifth largest city in the country. Nobody oh, ever wow. thinks of Phoenix, but it's huge. No, honestly, <laughs> I never think of Phoenix. I think of New York. I think of Dallas, uh, Miami, but I definitely do not think of. Phoenix. I I think it goes like something like New York, Los Angeles, Chicago. Yeah. And then I think it goes to Phoenix. I think Phoenix is four. Huh. Yeah, so <laughs> you learn something new every day. No, I definitely didn't know that. Um, but so would you say it's more typical to rent or to own in the U.S.? Especially these days, <clears throat> definitely renting. Even if people live in a house, a lot there's a lot of uh, small private owners and there's a lot of big companies that have bought up housing um, and just turned it into rental properties, unfortunately. So that's kind of driven up the cost of everything. Yeah, you have the same issue here as well. Um, that's a very big issue in um, Berlin. Um, don't quote me on this because I wasn't really following it that closely in the news, but I think it was last year that there were a bunch of protesters who were blocking police from clearing buildings because these buildings had been bought up by a lot of foreign companies. And so a lot of foreign companies will come and buy up like property in Europe, especially in like the bigger cities. And that drives up the prices. Um, unfortunately that an Airbnb. <laughs> so a lot of people will buy Airbnb properties or sorry. A lot of people will buy properties. They won't live in them. They'll just buy them. Um, and then they'll just put them on Airbnb. And so that makes it more attractive for tourists, but it makes it incredibly difficult for people who actually live in the cities. I live in the middle of nowhere, so <laughs> that's not a problem, but in the bigger cities, it is. You know, I don't want to get on into a huge tangent on something I don't know a lot about, uh, but I hear that kind of like tourism-focused uh, everything has made it very, very, very hard to for uh people that actually live in hawaii yeah i heard that i heard that too yeah that's i mean it's a problem everywhere really uh it's not like something specific to germany you have that in uh, i've read like a couple of reports in spain um in portugal as well it's also really bad so a lot of these airbnb properties i would say the biggest difference between i guess germany and to an extent europe and the U.S. is the houses here are very old. <laughs> so um, if you have a house in the U.S. Um, and it's old, then you would say, like, maybe it's from, like, the 1800s. That's probably an old house. 
according to American standards. Um, whereas, like, in Europe, it's not. So I've met people, like, some of my friends live in houses that are from, like, the 1700s. So, like, really, really old houses. <laughs> That's the biggest difference, I would say. Yeah, around here, like, a 1950s house would be pretty old. In general, the the more west you go in the country, the the standard of what is and is not old uh, changes. Like, the farther, you know, eastern... You can... There are people that live in houses, like, on the east coast and, and that, in you know, mm-hmm. early areas where people settled from Europe, where you can find people living in houses from 1700s and 1800s, but it's, it's a rarity. I would, I would say it's definitely rare. Um, I feel like Americans value houses that are more modern, so like are more up-to-date and freshly built, or recently built, I would say. So something from like maybe 10, 15, 20, or 30 years ago. Uh, usually people buy older houses to either one, they don't, there's nothing else to buy, or they want to fix them up, which there are tons of shows about fixing up houses. Um... Whereas in Europe, I feel like, or like in Germany, I feel like you buy a house so that you can pass it down. So a lot of the houses here that people own, they've been like, they've been passed down through the generations. That's definitely changing. Um, But historically speaking, you, you would buy a house and it would stay in the family for like multiple generations. But now that we've become more globalized and we live in a global village... I wouldn't say that's as true anymore as it used to be. Um, but that's definitely the goal, is to buy a house that lasts forever. Uh, so maybe you can describe, like, like what are houses typically made of in the U.S.? Uh, concrete foundation and just about everything else is going to be wood. Like, even the roof? Well, there, there are some, like, metal roofs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... I think most people think they're pretty ugly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are kind of ugly. Uh, I'll agree with you on that. Uh, and what about the walls? Uh, I mean, the walls will be like a wooden frame mm-hmm. with like sheetrock and things like that over it. Yeah, so that's that's an interesting point. Um, because, so also like known as drywall. So for yeah. those who don't... Yeah, so for those who don't know, you basically have a wooden frame, and then, like, how thick is drywall? It's like it's only like a couple of inches, isn't it? Oh, not not that thick. I mean, yeah. I think it's much thinner than that. Yeah, I haven't seen drywall forever, but it's maybe like an inch or two, like if that. So it's not super. It's not super thick, and some people refer to it, I think, as plasterboard. But technically speaking, plasterboard is something older. But it, I think it was like the what they used before drywall, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. And yeah, basically you take drywall and you screw that or you nail that to a wooden frame, and you have a wall. <laughs> yep. And then you paint over it, and there you go. Yeah, which is completely different here. So a lot of the walls are um, uh, made out of concrete. <laughs> So if you buy a house, the foundation is also made out of cement, or concrete, if you will, and so are the walls. So you don't actually use drywall here. Um, 
I think because I used to work in construction, so the only time you would ever really use drywall is maybe for the ceiling. Um, if like you're renovating a house and you want to put in like a new ceiling, uh, ceiling you would lower it by installing a wooden frame and then put drywall on that. But most houses here, they're 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 all concrete through and through, except for the roofs; those are made of wood. Uh, but everything else is concrete. So. <laughs> It sounds so uncomfortable. I'm sure it's fine, but Is just it? like it sounds uncomfortable. In what way? I'm curious. I don't know. I like because when I think wood, I think like soft and warm. Oh. When I think concrete, I think cold and hard. Which obviously, you know, if if you're in a warmed building. The concrete will take longer, but it can warm up too. But I, I don't know. It, it just doesn't sound inviting. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll give you that. So, I was definitely someone who put a lot of holes in the wall as a kid, <laughs> either by accident because I'd fall into the wall or because I was angry. Um, uh, like you don't try that here because if you try to punch a wall, <laughs> you'll break your fist. Um. Uh, I didn't do that here, but I definitely figured out the hard way that the walls here are, you know, that they're they're made out of cement. Um, in terms of heat, because you mentioned, like, heat and cooling, do you have air conditioning? Would you say that's, like, a standard thing? Oh, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> I, I lived in an apartment for a year with just a wall unit for AC, and it was miserable in the summer. And I like being hot. Like I really like being hot. It was too much for me. A wall unit? Are those? A, but those aren't standard, though, are they? No, most people will have central air of some kind. Yeah. So we've mentioned a couple. I think we've mentioned a few times uh, that we don't have AC here. So it's always a shock when we go back to the U.S. Um, and it's eighty degrees outside Fahrenheit, uh, like twenty degrees Celsius. But inside the house, it's like sixty. <laughs> <laughs> or 10 degrees Celsius. So if it's all right with you, I was thinking I'd kind of like to share, because I'm kind of going, or I'm trying to go through kind of a unique process in terms okay. of uh, home ownership. So I will first of all admit I am in a very fortunate and privileged position uh, that I happen to have two parents that are kind of, that are both in the housing industry, basically. Uh, one's a realtor and one owns a mobile home dealership and like flips houses on the side. Uh, if, if you guys remember, this was an episode, this was, this would have been an episode from the summer of 2021, I believe. Uh, but if, uh, longtime listeners remember the Williston episode, there was an interview with my, uh, father on that episode discussing the, the big oil boom that happened out there. Uh, but anyway, tangent. So, they are in the business of uh, flipping houses together. And they're usually doing that through auctions. And the way that usually works here is either someone uh, didn't pay their mortgage and they have too much debt, so the bank is going to sell their house at at an auction. Or... Um, the person who lived inside passed away and there's just no next person and the county just wants it gone or the person who lived in there was arrested and the county just wants it gone. They're just going to sell it to pay off this person's debts. 
it's almost never a good situation. It's it, it is kind of an opportunistic uh, endeavor, unfortunately. But you can get these auction homes for significantly cheaper than they're actually worth. The risk is uh, you can't. There are people living in them, you, and they don't want to leave. You can't see the out the inside. Um, and once you win the auction, assuming there are still people living in them, you are responsible for vacating them. And then who knows what, what the inside looks like. I mean, you can do your research and get some ideas, but it's not a sure thing. So what we're attempting to do, I actually have in my eye on a house that has been delayed twice. The first auction was in March, delayed day of by a month. Second auction in April, delayed day of by a month. And now in 12 days, in May... It's supposed to go again. I don't know how many more extensions this guy can get. Uh, the goal would be to... My parents would basically flat out purchase it. Uh, we would flip it together. And then that final value of the house, I would purchase from them and get a mortgage. So, uh, j just a quick side note. So for those who don't know, maybe you can explain what to, what to flip a house means. I don't think oh, you, yeah. you literally flip a house. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, so the idea is you, you buy a property for, let's say you buy a, a property for 200000 You go inside. You put $30,000 worth of effort and materials into fixing it up. And then you sell it for 250000 You've profited 200000 that's that's flipping a house. You basically buy a house, improve the value, sell it real quick. You can you can pretty much use that for anything though. Like you can pretty much flip any like flip cars for example. Or is that or do we just use it for housing? Uh, I I think housing's the big one. Uh, but I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't scratch my head if someone said they flipped cars for a living. Oh, okay. Yeah, just so people know, it's not you don't literally flip a house. <laughs> But, yeah, so the house goes to auction, and then you try and purchase it and then fix it up. Is basically what you're planning on doing. Yeah, and um, there's some advantages I'm going to have purchasing directly from family. I mean, they're... First of all, they were... I was worried about this up front of, like... Because, you know, I, I described the risk in these auction homes of you don't know what the inside is like until you've actually not purchased it and maybe maybe it's good it's gonna take two months to legally vacate these these people it's not easy and my fear was what if we do that we go through all of this and i don't like the house like i couldn't <laughs> imagine living in the house i mean i'm not that picky but you know just for the sake of argument because i don't mm. want to be in a position where i i'm forced to take a house i don't want or force them to just eat this huge cost uh, they told me they would not, they are not going to help me on do this on any house they aren't confident they could flip if that was the case for a profit. So so it sounds like a win-win or at least like a safe bet. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then if we do actually, you know, sell to me, it's basically going to be for cost. And there's actually this interesting thing called gift equity that I learned about that's it's only a family to family thing mm. where basically uh, after we're done, we get the house valued and let's say the house is worth 300,000, 
but our all-in is 250 so they're going to sell it to me t- for 250 But the house is worth 50000 more. You know, you can do some money magic with that <laughs> imaginary $50,000. Call it gift equity, and you put that towards the down payment and other f- costs and fees for buying a house, and you could theoretically just do it for no money down. Yeah, it sounds super complicated. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't fully understand it, but uh, I, I actually did talk to a mortgage lender um, probably a couple months ago. It, it's one of those things I was like, hey, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, the nature of the auction, and I, I might be letting you know I'm ready to apply for a mortgage in a month. I might be doing it in five months. It's kind of, it's it's very unstable. It's hard to say. Yeah, and like so, so mortgage is basically uh, money you get from a bank so that you can uh, so you can buy a house. Um, they're like different. I'm not really super knowledgeable about mortgages, but I mean, like there are different uh, interest rates or different like payback rates, like ten years, twenty years, thirty years. Um, uh, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, <laughs> but that that's basically you know how you purchase a house or. Um, as mentioned before, if you do have the money to purchase it outright, um, that's probably your... I don't know if that's your best option. To me, as someone who's never bought a house, that sounds like the best option. Um, but if I guess if you know how to work the system, then I don't think it really matters if you buy it outright or if you uh, have a mortgage. As long as you know how to manage your money, probably doesn't matter. Yeah, and, and it's... <laughs> well, and it is really tough in this market for basically everyone so yeah i I, i'm in an extremely fortunate situation yeah it's definitely very very difficult for the average person to buy a home like even renting is difficult for a lot of people um i was looking into just prices in general and i was really shocked by how much they they've gone up in the u.s i think it's everyone's dream to own a home I would say that's like the biggest part of the the quote unquote American dream is to have a home. I would say, yeah, that that's that's the big selling point. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think a lot of people can actually achieve that goal. Um, I think at like the bare minimum, if you want to get a house, you're looking upwards of like maybe like two hundred thousand. Um, at like the I would say at the bare minimum. So it's and not that's like not some... going to be a nice house, and it's not no. going to be in a convenient spot. No, it's definitely not going to be like. Uh, it's definitely not like 200,000, maybe like 10 or 20 years ago would have probably gotten you like a really, really nice house. But now having the the bare minimum and not a lot of people earn that (laughs) that much money. And, you know, I, I have, uh, I made a profile on, you know, one of these real estate sites for options. Mm. So it always sends me alerts with potential matches and every now and again, I'm like, oh, well, this might be a good... Oh, it's all the way across town. I don't want to drive... <laughs> I don't want to drive 20, 25 minutes to work every day. Yeah, that's that's true. That's something that you also have to consider is, like, where the house is located. Because a lot of the stuff in the U.S. is done by districts. So, like, your water district, your school district, your tax district, and so on and so forth. Um, I knew some people who had a house, and it was... I think one street outside of the school district. So they had to go to a completely different school. So they had to send their kids to a completely different school. 
and I lived just like on the other side of that street and I went to a different school. So you really have to be picky about, well, I don't know if you have to be picky, but a lot of people are picky about where their houses are and where they buy them. Um, and if push comes to shove, then you just turn around and sell it. But I would assume that's like the last option. <laughs> right. And and I, something I wanted to come back to, you mentioned, you know, rent going up a lot too. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, there is someone I work with and I, they were talking about how the house they rent, um, the owner sold it. So now they're being told to get out. Yeah, you have that here too. Um, so, um, you, so the renter laws here in Germany are very strict. There, so I I read a lot of horror stories on the internet about, you know, renting in general. But you have like a lot of rights as a renter here. So what you mentioned, so in Germany, in German, we refer to this as Eigenbedarf, which basically means like own usage. So. If you're renting from a private person, um, and let's say, for example, they they live in another city and they want to move back into the, the house I live in, they can do that, but they can only do that if they can prove that they actually need the residence where I live. So if, for example, the landlord has, I don't know, 30 apartments, he has to actually prove there's a reason why he can just remove my contract like he can't just say like oh i'm going to throw you out um or i don't know how quickly evictions happen in the u.s would you say like would you be evicted if you missed like one or two payments would you say that's like a uh, realistic I mean, option it, so it takes a long so coming back to the auction thing and kind of mm. the, the flip side of it so there was <clears throat> there was a uh, a house my dad won um i think basically what happened was the person who owned it died mm. and then a family member moved in and brought 11 other people with them. And then they just were like, we're going to live here and that's it. Oh wow! And, and they're not paying mortgage or they're not paying anything. And this has been one of those nightmare scenarios where, uh, first of all, 11 of the 12 people that live in that house do not speak English. Mm. So it's very difficult to communicate. Uh, I don't even, they probably know at this point, but for a very long time, they did not even know they were being evicted. Um, or I, I don't think they believed that it was happening. And, you know, when, when they refused to get out, uh, eventually you, you know, law enforcement can get involved. I mean, it's always easier to just not do that. Like, even if you could just, like, give them a little cash, just like, hey, could you just please, here's some money, will you please just get out? They also, um, the way these auctions work, uh, it's it's a debt thing. So, they, the people residing in the house get the difference between what the house debt was mm. and what was paid in auction. So, they're getting money. It's not what the house is worth, but they are getting money. Uh... If, if it becomes kind of a contentious situation, they can pretty much, for base, you know, they could just trash the house when they leave and they're going to get away with it because they already don't have money because obviously they couldn't afford to live there. So it's kind of, it, it's a tough situation. <laughs> I feel like that's like a thing a lot of people do as like a last ditch effort or just out of pure desperation. 
is like trash the place. Um, uh, I mean, that happens here too, I would say to a lesser extent. But I, I guess what you referred to as, I mean, wouldn't those be like squatters though? Like I mean, basically, squatting? basically, yeah, at this point. Yeah, so. And, and you know, there, there are rights and laws for them. Uh, there's a process. It, it, it'll get there eventually. It's just one of those things that's painful and not easy. Another, um, kind of the absolute flip side of that, which was a best case scenario that happened. This house was purchased after this nightmare house mm. and was emptied way before, like the work is already being done on it to get it ready to, to sell the, uh, the previous owner died and there were renters just living there because, you know, it's just the house they rent. And they were really reasonable, and they are actually, like, uh, subcontractors. So my dad was like, oh, like, would have a nice conversation with them. And he's, like, basically hired them to kind of work on cleaning their stuff out and probably going to hire them for work in the future. And, you know, it wasn't exactly a great situation for them because nobody was paying the water bill or, like, they didn't have water or anything. Yeah, I mean, he, you have uh, good sides and bad sides uh, all around. You have the same thing here, too. I mean, you can get evicted from your house here as well. I would say it's a, or you're from your apartment. Um, like, if you don't pay your mortgage here, then your house does go to auction, and then you can buy that. A lot of people like to buy, and like, rundown houses, so that, like, are super cheap, so maybe, like, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000, where... It, you really only have a frame, <laughs> basically, and then you invest like a hundred or hundred fifty thousand into it to, you know, fix it up. Um, kind of like what you said with like flipping. That's, I don't know if that's really as popular here as it is in the U.S. Because I've known plenty of people who've bought like super cheap houses and just fixed them up. But as you mentioned before, that's also very risky. Because um, if you buy a house for twenty thousand dollars. And, but you have to invest like 300000 then, you know, was it really worth it? And even then, you know, like, is it going to turn out the way you want it to? Yeah. So. But the, the housing market is also cooling off over here finally. Um, so our, our actual next door neighbor to where we live right now passed away probably at this point like two months ago. And some family came out, basically stayed there for the funeral, cleaned some stuff out. And basically, you know, got a realtor to sell it. They have dropped the price two times over the last month. And it's still an expensive house. But if this was like 2020, 2021, people were buying houses sight unseen, cash up front from a thousand miles away. Oh, wow. It was crazy. Um, now, I mean, again, still an expensive house. Still not really something in my price range, even though we, we did tour it just, just for fun. Uh, it's it's good to finally, you know, a little bit of hope. Maybe maybe people can get houses soon. Yeah, hopefully. So, uh, so a very interesting question. So, do you, do you have a mailbox? Yes, yes, we do. Yeah, so I, I assume it's this way like in all parts of the U S but obviously I only know from my experience from where I lived. So, you know, you have like a mailbox in front of your house and then you put your mail in it. You put up the flag, the mailman or 
postal worker, whatever you want to call it, call them, comes, picks up the mail, takes it with them. If they have mail for you, they'll put it in your box, put the flag back up, and then, you know, they'll go on their way to the next person, and so on and so forth until they're done with their shift. Does that work the same way in Montana, or is it different there? Wait, wait, wait. They, what are they moving with their shift? Like, so if you have, like, mail you want to send out, you can put it in your mailbox in front of your house, and you put the flag up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's still a thing. I'm, I'm going to be honest. Like, our generation does not really no. send mail. <laughs> like, when I have to send mail, I it's usually late in the day. It's procrastinated. It's like my, like my election ballot <laughs> or something. <laughs> so I, I just find, like, a mail drop box or something. Ah, uh, okay. But, I mean, theoretically, if you had your life together and you wanted to mail something out, yeah, you would... <laughs> You would manipulate the flag. I, I can't remember. I think up is please take my mail. Uh, I think. Uh, yeah, I think that is so. Is your mailbox attached to the house or is it separate from it? Uh, no, it's on, it's on a post like on the sidewalk. Yeah, that was super interesting to like a lot of my friends and my wife to see the mailbox not be a part of the house, but... Uh, like on a separate pole or on a post although the house i grew up with it was attached to the house was it okay yeah yeah um yeah so you do have both systems in the u.s but i i feel like for a lot of people like into american culture watching american movies um seeing like your mailbox on a post is like quintessential american because in a lot of european countries you don't have that so it's it's almost always a part of the house um although there is one guy down the street who i guess likes american culture and he has an american style <laughs> mailbox with the flag and everything so I think th- <laughs> <laughs> that that uh, uh, that's pretty funny <laughs> yeah yeah um so it was very interesting i was uh, a bit caught off guard you'll definitely see some american stuff here uh, like some people fly Confederate flags. I've seen that. Oh my uh, god. <laughs> um, I don't think a lot of people know what the Confederate flag means. I think for most people, when they fly Confederate flags here, it's because it reminds them of like uh, what's the name of the show? Dukes of Hazard, and the, like the General Lee, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that that's the kind of thing that people here associate the Confederate flag with. You know, like that rebellious spirit. So, uh, but still, <laughs> I was kind of shocked to see it uh, on a couple cars. <laughs> I mean, that that is so weird. <laughs> I mean, in Germany of all places. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so you'll have some people who, who have houses here. Um, or they'll have like little gardens. So a lot of Germans will have... Like, a plots of land out in the city. So it's, like, a really, really small plot of land that's only big enough for, like, a garden, basically. Like, you wouldn't, you would never live there. Um, think about, like, a shed with um, maybe, like, a small living room amount of, uh, like, yard. And basically, you would go there and you would just garden. That's just, you know, just to get out of your house and just garden, um super common here and they're not expensive it's like a hundred dollars a year 
uh, I think. And a lot of people, a lot of Germans, like to have flagpoles in these like little gardens. And so sometimes I'll see like American flags, I'll see German flags or Confederate flags. Um, I would always see those when I was like driving or taking the train to work. And uh, it was really weird <laughs> for me. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's another question. Like, do you have like a front yard and a backyard? Yes, we do. Uh, ours is weird. Our grass is fake. <laughs> what do you mean fake? Like it's artificial grass. Oh, okay. Uh, what's the name for that though? Isn't there another name for artificial uh, grass? I mean, isn't it astroturf? I, I guess yeah, or, or just turf. But like, uh, I I don't know. I I guess that's what this is. I mean, it when when they bought the house, that's just how it was, and they were like, well, never have to mow the lawn. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that reminds me of people who paint their grass. I don't know if you've seen that. Oh, I, I've heard of it. Wasn't <laughs> that died out really quick though, right? I think so. I mean, I still heard of people who would paint their grass. Um, I know that that was a thing in California for a long time because they always have like water supply problems because it's so hot over there. Um, and they need more water for like their agricultural kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, I mean, some people have fake grass. I didn't. I didn't know you had fake grass, <laughs> but I don't have any grass <laughs> because um, a lot of people who live in apartments don't have yards. We have community gardens, um, which I never use. But uh, but even like my wife's family, they most people have a backyard. I, most people don't have a front yard though. In all honesty, it's something well, you rarely see here. Well, honestly, front what, what good are front yards for? It's just I, like it's just like a degree of separation between you and like the road. Uh, yelling at people. <laughs> uh, the yeah, that's that's a good point. I don't know what they're good for. Um, so growing up, I always had both. So I had a front yard and a backyard, and my I showed it to my wife. So where you know where I grew up. And she was, like, really shocked <laughs> because our backyard was bigger than, you know, her whole house. <laughs> but, like, our backyard was by no means, like, it wasn't, like, super big by American standards, I would say. I would say it was average size. But from, like, a European perspective, it was, like, massive. So it was probably the combination of her backyard plus four of her neighbors <laughs> so it was uh from her point of view it was it was huge and and the fact that we even had a backyard uh that big was just mind-boggling <laughs> uh i know we're almost running out of time there was something you mentioned that uh, reminded me of something i wanted to get to sure uh, yelling at people in your front yard. So <laughs> yeah. I, I assume, I don't know how much of this has become international news. I assume at least some of it, but maybe not. Uh, it's actually become more of a thing lately. And I, and in general, I just feel like people have become more unhinged lately. But, uh, so to start with, there was a, uh, in upstate New York. So not New York city, but like the mm -hmm. state, like in a more rural area north of the city 
Um, there was two like people in their early 20s in a car. They were... I, I can't remember what they were doing. They were looking for, like, a house or something. And they they ended up going on, like, a long country road that ended at this, uh, at this man's house on his property. So they basically just pulled in and were in the process of turning around because you're on, like, a, you know, one-lane country road and you're lost. You need to turn around somewhere. And he just came out with a gun and shot at them and killed one of them. Uh, what was this? That was probably, like, two months ago. Oh. Maybe a little less. Uh, yeah. There, there was a the the details on this story still isn't clear, but uh, a professional football player's house in like Cincinnati. There were like some kids playing outside, like in that neighborhood, and like running through yards and stuff. And they got to their yard. Now, from there, the story gets a little iffy. But somebody in his house some people say it was him some people say it was his sister came out and like shot at these like young children and then i feel like uh yeah there was another recent one where like like a, a young child was like going door to door looking for like a pet and she like got to i think it was a she she got to one door to like knock on the door and the person just shot her and then, like, a newscaster, or, like, a weather, like, a local TV weatherman got on Twitter was like, yeah, don't knock on my door, kids, I'd do the same. So, some people are very, very aggressive and territorial homeowners. Yeah, uh, I think there was a similar case in, I think, St. Louis a couple, couple weeks ago. About... Uh, oh, yeah, with the, with the teenager? Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's been bad lately. Like, I, I, yeah. I feel like people have just become totally unhinged in the last year or two. I guess that's something, that's a, it's an interesting closing point. So, I do feel that Americans are very, very territorial um, of, of their houses, of their property in general. Much more so than, like, you would be in, in, in Europe. Um, so, we basically have this thing called Castle Doctrine. It comes from, like, the principle of, you know, like, you're the king of your castle, or, you know, the castle being your home. It's not necessarily a castle, although I guess it could be. And so, if someone goes onto your property unauthorized, then you have, more often than not, the right to exercise lethal force. Although, that's a bit iffy, and it really depends on the circumstances, and it depends on what state you live in. But, I mean, Yeah, I don't think ringing on the doorbell... Or anything like that, or pulling into a driveway and pulling out. They're like those, those do not constitute that. No, def- definitely not. But some people, you know, they like to interpret the law the way they see fit. So uh, obviously, that's not a reason to shoot someone. But I mean, unfortunately, it does happen. Uh, so I'm yeah. definitely very cautious about ringing people's doors or even pulling up in driveways. People are very protective of their property. I think that goes back to uh, the sense of freedom, the sense of like um, possessing your your land and your own, you know, your own piece of, I don't know, country, so to speak. Um, yeah, your own little slice of the world. Yeah, yeah, that's a better way to put it. So it's like your own slice of world. I mean, it's not maybe it's not like the, the biggest piece, but it's yours, and uh, you know, you'll do whatever you can. <laughs> To, to protect it, yeah. so to speak. 
the uh, the problem is like, you know, realistically, if I live somewhere and someone like has broken into the home, yeah, then you know, do what you got to do. Uh, these incidents, I feel like, are just like crazy people, just like losing their minds. It's definitely an overreaction. Uh, but yeah. So, uh, I have nothing else to add. I don't know if you have anything you want to no, throw in there. No, that, that was something I wanted to cover. It's not, it's not the most fun part of the topic, but I think we would be remiss, especially with just how much it's happened in this year alone, um, to not mention it. That's true. Yeah. So be very careful when you're <laughs> knocking on people's doors. Um, as I said at the very beginning, uh, I or we will put the um, the Twitter and the Instagram information in the description of the podcast. So please feel free to subscribe to those so that you get updates. Um, I have nothing else to add. So thanks so much. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you all in the next one. See you next time. Bye. Right. Bye. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen to our podcast. We hope that it was informative and that we were able to expand your worldview, even if only just a little. We always welcome feedback, comments, and constructive criticism. If you'd like to provide us with any, please reach out to us at our Discord or email address, both of which will be listed in, in the description. Thanks again for listening, and until next time.